Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 169 of the podcast that was originally recorded on July 9th of 2017. Some of the games I talked about this week, Tramways, a little game from Elvin Viard, who we know did clinic and it was a nice heavy game. I also talked about an expansion, Scavengers, for 51st State Master Set. I also talked about a few of the things that I'd like to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Welcome to episode 169 of the podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. And our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. All right, let's jump into a few of the things I played for this past week. This is going to be probably a little shorter of an episode than the past couple of ones. Uh, Since I did do a kind of late show last week due to the holiday, I am trying to stay on track this week and keep up with the Sunday release time of when I normally release the podcast. So I really haven't had a chance to play too, too many different things, especially new things that I am able to talk about on the podcast, but we did get a couple of new games in. On Thursday, down at my friendly local game store, we got in a game of Tramways. Tramways is, I would say, a heavier game from Elbin Viard. You may have heard me talk about this designer before. He has made the game Clinic, one that is currently in my collection. I do own Tramways as well, and if you own Tramways... Hey, check out Board J1, the tile where you will find Whip and Way, what I'm playing now. I actually contributed to get what I'm playing now on that board. And when we actually played our game on Thursday, we actually used this board. But lo and behold, I was not dealt the card to get that location. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's actually jump back to what Tramways is, how it's played a little bit, and what I thought about my first play through the game. And I'm sure I will be talking about this one in the future because there are probably going to be several more playthroughs for this game once I get a better handle on what's going on. This first game, being a game from Elbin Viard, it was definitely a little trickier to pick up on. The rules aren't too, too difficult. It's it's kind of straightforward once you really get a hand on what some of the different aspects of the game are. But um, the game is going to be played over six rounds. And the first thing that you're going to be doing in a round is dealing with an auction. And this whole auction component that he has designed for this game is really interesting. We actually sat around and talked about this, just the auction mechanic of the game, probably for about 15 minutes after the game had ended, because it is such a different style auction. So on the board, there is going to be an auction track for each player. The player who is the first player, they're going to get to bid first. And whenever you bid in this game, you actually have to spend the money immediately and it goes right to the bank. So you could always start out at one. But if you want to start out bidding a little higher to try to test the waters and see what everybody else is kind of willing to do, you better be able to, cut when when the bid comes back to you a second time, which it probably will, You better have enough money to outbid wherever people are going. So you really need to kind of watch yourself and what you're bidding. Um, 
that was something that was really interesting. But what makes it even more interesting is as you get to the second, third, fourth players, and we were playing a fourth player game, anybody beside the first player has to bid a different number than the players to their left. So the first player can essentially, like I said, bid pretty much anything because there is on the track, though, there is nobody to the left of the first player. When you get to the second player, though, if the first player bid two, the second player can bid one, three or higher. They cannot bid two. This is where the bidding kind of gets a little crazy because you may not necessarily be bidding to be first player. You may just be trying to go for second. So depending on what other people have bid in the round, you have to, one, watch your money. Like I says, every time you're bidding in this game, money is going immediately to the bank and you are paying for that bid. So if it comes back around to you and you need to throw in another two to three bucks, you better make sure that you have that money to be able to bid a little higher than you did last round. Really interesting mechanic there. It's Now, bids can go higher than 10. The track only goes to 10, but bids can go higher than 10. And I don't think a couple of people actually understood that. And when somebody bid 10 and then the next person bid 11, the one guy was like, I didn't realize you could do that. And we were like, yeah, that was that was one of the rules I had actually remembered that was thrown out at the beginning of the game during the, during the instructions when uh, my buddy Jim was actually going through the rules for the game. Um, you know, that he did mention that, but it's bidding can get kind of crazy in this game, especially towards the end of the game, because one of the things you're bidding for is a uh, turn order. And in the turn order, one of the things you're going to do is right after the bidding, you're going to be choosing a card from the four cards that are uh, four or five. Four, there's four cards because we played a four player game. I think it's the same number of players per cards. The cards that are out on the table and some of the cards that you're going to be drawing from here after this auction phase do have negative effects. There are some cards that are called void tickets. These void tickets make you pick it, pick a card up into your hand or you pick that void ticket up into your hand, and you're going to have to discard a card from your hand. This game does have a little bit of an aspect of a deck-building component to it. So these void cards, whenever you're drawing them, um, you know, to draw your hand of cards, they're basically just going to clog up your hand and not really have any sort of actions or any sort of money or anything that you're really going to be able to do with them during the actual action phase part of the game. This is where it really gets tricky because you're trying to figure out, you know, you, th there are some rounds where if all the cards are just normal rounds, maybe they're just parcel cards where you're going to maybe get a get a plot of land or, you know, get, get something that's not bad and doesn't have a negative effect. You know, you may be willing to bid a little bit lower that turn because you may not get as good of a card as maybe the first player, but at least you're not going to have a negative effect happen to you or have some claw cards clogging up your hand. So that's one of the first things you need to figure out with this whole action mechanic is which four cards are out on the table and which one am I going to possibly get stuck with and how hard is it going to be for me to overcome that as I'm going through my actions. So after you're done with the auctions and everybody's done drawing a card, you're going to jump over to the actions. There's going to be two rounds of action phases. The first round of actions, everybody's going to take one action. Then there's going to be another round where you're going to go around and everybody's going to take two actions. So over the course of one, one, you know, one whole turn, one whole round, you know, everybody's going to get about three actions. Now, one of the things you can do is if you decide to skip doing an action on your turn, you can actually take $2 from the bank. Now, when you get to that second part of actions where you're taking two actions, if you decide not to do anything and just want to take the $2, even though you have two actions, you don't get to take $4. You still only get to take two, which is kind of crazy. You would think 
I'm going to be, I'm just going to skip both of my actions. I'll take four, $4. Nope. You only get two, even if you skip both. Now, if you do one and skip your other one, you do get $2. So, but there's no way you can actually get $4 in that second part of the phase. But let's back up a little bit here and go through some of the actual actions that you can do on your turn. So one of the things you can actually do is build rails. One of the other things you can do is you construct, construct a new building. You can move a passenger. You can also upgrade a rail and upgrade a building. So there's there's quite a bit of different actions you can actually take on your turn. Building out your tramway, your track, and your rail is one of the ways you're going to make points. But then moving the people from location to location is going to be another way you can make points. There's going to be four different colored locations actually on the board. There's going to be residence, leisure, leisure industry, and commerce. When you move somebody to a commerce, you're going to gain a stress. You're going to take uh, $5 or you can take a development card. When you move somebody to an industry, you're going to gain a stress. And you're also going to get one rail worker back. You can have at most two rail workers and you need the rail workers to be able to play the construct a rail action. Uh, you can move somebody to a leisure where you can buy uh, victory points using your cash. And you can also you can also move to a residence, and residence lets you remove one stress. So the each of those has a specific color that's going to go along with them. Everybody's going to have their own colored rail that they're going to try to move people along. You can move your workers, I guess, you know, the people in the city along other people's railways. But if you do, for each track that you're moving somebody along, you're going to have to pay that person a dollar. If you move somebody over a complete um, set of track, they're actually going to get a victory point as well. So you kind of really want to watch how much you're using possibly other people's rails because you're going to have to pay them money. You're going to be able to give them victory points. So, and you want to try to keep those things for yourself. One of the other things you're going to try to balance is the stress that you're going to obtain. Like I said, several of the different movements of people do cause stress. You have a stress track um, on your tableau on your little player board there. As your stress moves up in the round, you can actually get it to the highest, which I believe is 21. We are playing on the easier track. And at the end of the round, if you are at that 21, you're going to lose a victory point. At the end of the game, Whatever your stress is at, you're going to lose that many victory points. So if you're at that 21, you're going to lose 21 points. So I think I was around five or eight stress or so like that. So I wasn't really too bad and I really didn't lose too many victory points. But victory points in this game are are very hard to come by. I mean, I think our game, everybody averaged between probably 30, 40 points. I think one guy had over 50, um, which actually was... From what I've heard, these a couple of the guys that I had played this game with have played it um, a couple of times before. That seemed like a very, very good score. One of the guys in our game actually dropped down, I think, an 11-track tramway, a railway, on his first turn, which everybody kind of just sat there and was like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And he was able to move people along that and get quite a bit of money and... He had a really nice engine going. He would move somebody along the track, gain the money from doing that. He was then able to move the people along one of the smaller leisure areas to one of the smaller leisure buildings, which is one of the red areas. And he was able to use all that money he moved from his longer track and spend all of that money and basically just turn that into victory points every turn. And he just kept cycling through that. And there was 
really no way we could kind of stop him from doing it. Even if we tried to take the people that were there along his track, he was still able, able to get some money and just get this small engine going. So after everybody's done with all of their actions, like I said, everybody's going to go around. Everybody's going to get one action first. Then they're going to do two actions, and everybody's going to do two actions at a time. Uh, you're then going to go into an administration phase where you can get money, you get your rail workers, decrease stress, you can add passengers. Um, you can also discard a card from your hand. The first card you discard is free. Every additional card does cost a dollar. At the end of the round, you basically draw back up to whatever your hand size is. Your hand size starts off at seven, and I believe it can go up to nine through some of the different cards that you can get and obtain uh, to where you can grow your hand size. And that is kind of at a very, very high level. And I'm not going to go too much deeper into this because I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole damn thing myself. Um, that's basically kind of what's going goes on. Um, at the end of the fifth round, one of the neat things is instead of drawing your hand back up to your normal hand size just by using your discard pile, you're actually going to get to look at all of your cards and actually choose which cards you want to go into the last round with. One of the other small little things is during the auction phase, whoever did win the auction, they take one stress. During that sixth round, whoever wins the auction, they actually take two stress in that last round. So that's something you all, something else you kind of have to keep account of is the stress that you're going to get from the auction and possibly winning that final round auction. Um, like I said, the basic gist of the game is turning uh, money into victory points and trying to get victory points that way. The winner will be the person with the most victory points. Sounds way easier said than done, though. There was just so many different things going on in the game that you had to try to do with the cards and some of the different actions with the cards as far as building the rails, trying to move the people between the rails, trying to just trying to just maximize what you could do with your cards. And sometimes... You know, you may want to do a particular action in a round because, like I said, each different location that you maybe move somebody to really gives you a different type of action, you know, that that it gives you a different type of reward, I guess you could say. And sometimes you'd want to move somebody, hopefully, you know, to maybe a particular color and you didn't draw that color type of card. So you really couldn't move that player. So it does come down to luck of the draw being a little bit of a deck builder, but you really have to have a good assortment of cards in your deck. Also, as you're going through the game, you're going to be getting to add cards to, into your deck by doing other actions. So there is there is a lot going on in this game. Um, I have not actually sat down and read the rules myself for this one, but I believe that I was, I was taught the game very well. Um, my buddy Jim gave a very good 15 to maybe 20 minute explanation of the game. And like I said, I think I was the only new person that had not played it at the table. Everybody else had actually played the game at least once, maybe twice. I have a feeling we're going to be playing this game again because it was just really interesting. It was a lot of fun. There's just, there's so many different strategies you can take in the game and there's so many different things you can do and a lot of different ways you can, uh, different things you can attempt and there were times where I'd want to maybe build a, a railway at one location, but somebody maybe beat me to it. And then maybe I had to move my railway, kind of like maybe circle around them a little bit to maybe get to where I wanted to go and do something a little different. And there were times where, you know, somebody may just build a rail right where you want to, and it could almost, you know, a little bit of take that, you know, without somebody actually even knowing that. And we talked about that at the end of the game. 
you know, one of the guys that actually built something, I go, I had wanted to go there. And, you know, he was like, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. You know, and I go, well, you know, how are you supposed to know? It's, you know, you probably thought we're thinking the same thing I was in regards to wanting to own that little piece of, you know, track there because it was good. It was between a couple of good buildings and, you know, it's, it, there, there may be some, some ways you can plan to, to really maybe screw over your neighbor. But I, in this game, I don't know if it's really meant to be intentional. I think it can sometimes possibly just happen. But like I said, the way you can possibly curve your tracks and the way two different curved tracks can almost be on the same tile at the same time, I was able to kind of get around uh, some of those weird areas where somebody had built a little bit of track and I maybe wanted to go through that same type of route and not use their tracks to pay them to use. So Tramways is a really, really interesting game. Like I said, I'll definitely be talking about this one more in the future, but um, I, I still need to give it probably at least one or two more plays to just really wrap my head around the strategy. I got a good understanding of the game now, I think, after playing it one time. But towards the end of the game is when I finally was just starting to get comfortable with just everything that you can do and remembering all the little intricacies of the game. So it is definitely a heavier game. Uh, definitely not something that anybody who cares for later games should try, but it does have a great mixture of some different components to it. Now, this game can also be played from one to five players. So I really would like to teach this game to my wife, and I'm really interested to see how this whole auction mechanic works with just two people because it's supposed to. So, I mean, it played great with four. I think with five, it might be a little bit long um, because our four-player game lasted a good two to three hours, I think, probably closer to three. And so I don't know how long a five-player game would last. I'm guessing at least another half hour to 45 minutes um, because that's probably what my guess would be the time limit is per player. So Tramways, if you haven't checked this game out, look it up on Board Game Geek. There's uh, quite a few write-ups about it. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad it is in my collection. I'm glad I kickstarted this. And like I said, don't forget to check out J1 Whippin' Way as well. All right, after that, my wife and I sat down this weekend and we played quite a bit of 51st State. Uh, this is a game that we've been playing for the past week. I was trying to get my wife up to speed on playing the game because we had picked up the expansion Scavengers and I wanted to make sure she had a good understanding of the base game before I threw an expansion at her. So we sat around, we played a few more games over the weekend and then we finally got in a couple of games of Scavengers. Now, the first game of Scavengers that we played there was something really odd that happened. I ended up with a couple of very good cards in my opening hand. One was the heavy machinery. I can't remember what the other one was. Heavy machinery lets you take a worker and an iron and get three of the gray contact tokens, which lets you purchase cards. One of the other ones actually let me put into play a production card that produced one gray contact and then had a building bonus of a gray contact. So that first hand of cards I had, I think I literally played five cards out of my hand that turn. Something I don't think I've ever done before, something I don't think I've ever seen done before, something I don't probably ever want to see again because it really kind of just threw off the whole game. There was no way for my wife to really catch up to me during this game. It was one of the first times I actually thought, wow, somebody that has a good opening hand like this can really just almost run away with it. And I mean, unless if you're playing a multiplayer game where everybody almost just gangs up on this person and just really starts raising all their territories and turning them into runes, I really don't know how you can stop somebody like this. Um, and my wife slowed me down for a little bit, but there really was just wasn't anything she could do because 
I was able to just within the first two to three turns put down so many cards that had so much production going. And uh, the, the, the horrible thing was I was producing so much that I wasn't, I didn't have any warehouses on the table to actually save any of my resources. And I was just wasting so much at the end of a round because I just couldn't turn everything I was producing into the contact tokens to be able to do things. And it was just, and I didn't have any action cards till later on in the games to actually use some of those things for victory points. So I hit a point to where I was just mass producing so much stuff. I had very few action cards in play that would give me victory points. The game kind of almost stalled for a little bit. And then once I got a couple action cards down, I just, my score just instantly just ran away. So that was the first time we played Scavengers. Second times we played Scavengers, the game was neck and neck through pretty much the whole game. But let's, I guess, back up a little bit and talk about what Scavengers actually adds to 51st State. So Scavengers is a pack of cards. It comes, I believe there's 50 cards in the pack. There's going to be 44 that you're going to shuffle in with the base cards from 51st State Master Set. There's going to be six new cards that are going to be equivalent to the red and blue cards you have that you can purchase with two meeples at the beginning of a round. They call them yellow cards to me. They look pretty damn orange to me. But they're going to let you do some of the newer mechanics in the game. One of the cards lets you maybe draw three cards off the top of the deck, look at them, keep one, discard the other two. But one trick here is each player has their own discard pile, which is really different than the base game where you basically have a shared discard pile for the whole group of people that are playing the game. Now, why does everybody have their own discard pile? There is a new icon in the game, and we called it the nuclear symbol. I don't know what the actual symbol... It was really hard to see what the damn symbol looked like on some of the cards, but I just called it the nuclear symbol, and that's what we kind of went with when we were playing it. But this symbol actually lets you take cards from the top of other players' decks. There are also cards in the deck that actually let you utilize the icons that are on the top of somebody's card of their discard pile... So let's say my wife had a card and it had maybe a brick and a gun on there. I could maybe put a gun on one of my action cards and say, I'm using this gun to match the top of your discard pile and I'm going to get a victory point for that. So that was really interesting. One of the other cards that's in this deck that actually didn't even come out during our first game, but I got it in our second game and my wife quickly, very quickly destroyed the card by just attacking it and just turning it into ruins was a card that actually lets you spend a worker and a brick on this card as an action, and you can flip one of your ruins over. So, anything that is raised by another character, by another person in the game, so if my wife attacks me and destroys one of my um, territories in front of me, that's basically a raised territory. It flips over, and it is called a ruin. That card is completely crazy. There's only two of them in that whole 44-card deck that let you do this type of action. And it was one that I tried to get a little engine going for. I tried to plop down a couple of cards before I put this card down because I knew it was going to get attacked immediately. That whenever I, you know, flipped over a rune card or actually fixed a rune, I was able to get a victory point. There were a couple other cards that I had in play where I could actually get one of the wild resources, the ammo, for each ruin that I had in my state. So there's a lot of cards that are going to build off of runes in this state, and they really take those to the next level. It was something that I actually had to sit down and kind of glance through the first through the through the master rulebook and really get a better understanding of what was considered a rune 
if a raised territory was considered that. And once I realized that any territory that was raised that somebody destroyed was considered a ruin, I just realized where the whole expansion was going. And that's where the name scavengers comes from. You are basically going to be doing a lot of digging through piles. I mean, there was a card that I had where I was able to take the top card of my wife's deck and I literally had just about all of her cards either in my hand or in play. And where I had a, tack, a stack of maybe 10 cards in my discard pile, she was down to one or two. Because I was cycling through her discard pile using those cards and playing them. So that's a whole nother aspect to the game where that you have to pay attention to. What you put in your discard pile could get taken by your opponent. Completely crazy. Um, that's about the most biggest things that are that this expansion is going to add. We had a really good time with it. Um, we had also played a game with the Winter Expansion, which added in a few things that added. We finally got to use the shields, the police shields, which can buff up um, one territory. You can put one of those on there to make it make it a little stronger and not, not attack with it. But um, Scavengers definitely added in a lot of new mechanics that neither Winter nor New Era add into the game because um, those are two expansions that come with the Master Set. But Scavengers does have a whole new set of mechanics to them. Those new yellow cards that they called um, that you can add next to the yellow and blue ones are rather interesting. Um, I don't think my wife and I really bought those too, too much, but I really want to take 51st State down to the game store now and play with Scavengers. I want to play a four-player game, and I want to see how different it is using some of these different mechanics and being able to take from other people's discard piles. Because when I was limited to just my wife's discard pile, you know, I even looked at her and said, I go, I wonder if this expansion would play a lot different with four people than it does with two. It played, it played perfectly fine with two. We had a good time with it, but I think with four, with three or four people, when you have a little bit more variety of stuff to choose from, it might add a little bit of a different strategy into the game. But 51st state scavengers, we had a good time with it. Really want to see this one get to the table a little more can't wait to play that one again. That's about it for what I played for this week. Let's jump over to a few of the things that I would like to play. So one of the games I've talked about on my podcast before um, was a game from Cosmos, and they're coming out with a new one. The game that I'm referring to is Pillars of the Earth. There's also a game World Without End. I have not played World Without End, but they're going to be releasing a new one this year called A Column of Fire. This one looks kind of interesting from reading about it on BoardGameGeek, from looking at some of the pictures that they have on BoardGameGeek. It has a nice little rondelle mechanism in there, a little bit of worker placement in there where you're using dice. When I was watching a video on it before, it almost sounded like it reminded me a little bit of Lorenzo Il Magnifico, the way they're kind of using dice. So I kind of can't wait to see this one to get released, to get a little bit more information on it and see some of the rules and how they're actually using dice in this game. But it looks like a very interesting worker placement game and one that I'm going to have to definitely check out once it is released. Also, one of the other things I was noticed looking through when I was kind of digging through Board Game Geek, I noticed that Stefan Feld is going to be releasing a new game. It is called Merlin. This appears to be another type of dice game. And this one, the board just looks completely crazy. The pictures they have, they do have some pictures up on Board Game Geek, so definitely check them out up there. There really isn't a lot written about this game, so I can't really talk about it. All I really can go off of is the pictures. But I can tell you from what I can see of this game, it looks rather interesting as well. And being Stefan Feld, I'm sure it's probably going to be pretty good. So definitely going to have to check that one out. But those are the two things for this week that I'd like to play. 
And I think that's going to be it for the podcast. Thanks for joining me. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop that G like I always say on both of those. Our Facebook page is what I'm playing now. Just do a search for that on Facebook. And we have a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, you know what to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. But until next week, everybody, have a great week gaming, and I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.